0: Well, it's, it's a great privilege to be back with you again. I always enjoy coming here, and I feel like um, you guys are an extension of my family. And so I appreciate the opportunity to share with you again today. It's a great privilege of mine today to have my parents and a couple of my many siblings with me uh, this morning. So if you haven't greeted them, I'll make sure that you make them feel welcome after the service. Um, we'll be all over the scriptures today. So I hope that you have your page-turning finger limber, and uh, that some of you are ready to read some scriptures for us this morning. Before we begin, let's turn our hearts toward the Lord. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the privilege of being here today. We thank you for the privilege of having a free country where we can freely proclaim the truths of the scriptures And we pray that we would continue to do that for as long as you shall tarry. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, well today my topic is, if you're keeping notes, Christmas, the power of promises kept. Christmas, the power of promises kept. So we're just going to look at a few of the promises that Christmas... Is is a celebration of Jesus of God keeping on our behalf. I want to start out with a quote from one of my father's favorite Christmas stories, A Christmas Carol. Now you may you may think that you like this story, but my dad brings that to a whole new level. He has I think. Uh, 28 or so versions of this film, and they're all good, some of them better than others. And one thing you notice if you've read the actual book by Charles Dickens is that there's a lot of the gospel in that story. And here's what Jacob Marley said to Scrooge during his visit. He said, why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings With my eyes turned down, and never raised them to the blessed star, which led the wise men to a poor abode. And of course, uh, he was talking about the abode of the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the first point that I want to talk about today is that Jesus is the Son of God. The first passage that we'll be looking at is Proverbs 30, verse 4. You know, a lot of times when we talk about Jesus, or when we think about talking about Jesus, we naturally turn to the Gospels. And that's understandable, because Jesus' actual words are there. But Jesus did not begin to exist in the New Testament he existed before time, and only because He cared about our redemption did He condescend to step into time and become a human. It says in Proverbs thirty, verse four, "Who hath ascended up into heaven, or who de or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in His fist? Who hath found the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is His name?" And what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Proverbs 30, verse 4. Now, if we could just take a minute to consider that. The God who told the waves that they could only come to the shore. The God who created every animal that walks the face of this earth. And most importantly, the God that created you and I decided before the foundations of the world that it was necessary that he become a human and constrict himself to a human body. Not just for for those 33 years on earth, by the way, but also for all eternity because the Bible says that we will look on him whom we have pierced. And so he will be in heaven in that human body, and we will worship Him for all eternity. Now I'd like to look at a couple verses that further establish Jesus as the Son of God, and if you could be looking these up as I state them, and if you find um, them, then stand up and read. We'll start with Luke one thirty five. Luke one thirty five. This, of course, is the angel Gabriel talking to Mary. And um, so we'll read this verse.
1: And the the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God.
0: Alright, so he, he's telling Mary, who is probably pretty bewildered to an extent at this point, that even though uh, you are a virgin, you are going to have a baby and he's going to be the son of God. He is the son of God. Continuing on, Matthew 16:16. So, uh, Jesus, in the context of this passage here, is challenging his disciples and saying, Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus went on to say that flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but the Spirit of God has revealed it to you. And that's one of the questions that I hope as we continue to go through this message today. That you will answer in your own heart. Because Jesus is asking you the same question. Who do you say that I am? And your, and your eternal destiny depends on how you answer that question. It doesn't matter what your parents, who your parents say he is. It doesn't matter who your best friend says he is. It matters who you say he is. And I say that he's the son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. And because of that, my eternity in heaven is secure. I hope that you can say the same. Then, well, let's look at John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. As you're turning there, one of the things I really like about the way Jesus approached people is he met them where they were. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, and hears some of what Jesus said to Nicodemus.
1: For God did not send his son into the world to condemn people, but in order that the world might be saved Whoever believes in him is not
0: Alright, you know a lot of people today say that there's multiple ways to God. They say if you try hard enough, you'll get there. They say if you're a good person, you'll get to heaven. But this says that if you believe, you'll have an eternity in heaven. If you don't believe, you'll be condemned for all eternity because you've not believed in the name of the only Son of God the only son of God there is no substitute there's no second choice and that's why God came into the world as a baby over 2,000 years ago for our sakes for our sakes he became poor his parents weren't exactly rich as far as the world is concerned we know that because of the offering they gave at the temple But we also know that he became poor just to become human. Because he gave up the glories of heaven. And he said in John chapter 17, Father, restore to me the glory that I had in your kingdom before the world was. So he gave up a lot on our behalf to even come here. The second point I want to make, second promise kept, is Jesus was to be born of a virgin. It says in Isaiah 7.14, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Which we know means God with us. Could somebody read Luke chapter one, verses thirty-one to thirty-seven? This is, I believe, Mary responding to the angel's news. Luke one, thirty-one to thirty-seven
1: in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her,
0: Okay, and if you go a little farther on, Mary says, Be it so unto thine handmaid. So she is saying, This is overwhelming to me. I don't understand it. But the Lord's will is what I want. Do everything that your word says because I'm ready. And that is something that we need to have as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be ready to do that which He has called us to do. I was challenged about that uh, last night again. That It's not about the earthly successes or the way the earth measures success. Because sometimes on that basis, life can be discouraging. But it's about doing what you're called to do and doing it with all your might. And knowing that God will provide the answers. I also like the way God provides encouragement. Because Mary is sitting here contemplating the impossibility of having this baby when she's a virgin. When she has not um, done what is necessary to have a baby. And then the angel says, but Elizabeth, your your cousin, who is called barren is six months along with her own baby, her own gift from me. Why? Because nothing is impossible with me. So I want you to remember that as well. as Whatever you're going through this holiday season, Christmas tells us that nothing is impossible with God and that He will work out His will in His time, in His way, with His resources. And I need that message as much as you do. I I struggle a lot with trusting him. But he puts up with me anyway. And continues to bless me. And I want to share this quote now from Augustine. And just think about this. It kind of goes back to the verses that we started with. Augustine said he was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy. He the word. Without whom human eloquence is mute. Augustine. Do you realize that this means that the hands that nailed him to a cross are hands that he created? The mouths that spat curses on him are mouths that he created. The hands that plucked out his beard. Or hands that he created. It's just amazing to me. And I don't think we pause to consider it nearly enough. The third point, third promise kept. God is always very detailed. And he says, Jesus. Is going to be born in Bethlehem. So the third point Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. It says in Micah 5:2, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Remember, Jesus was there at the creation of the world. He didn't have a beginning. And he didn't have an end, even though the devil thought he had an end, because he was hanging on the cross and the devil thought he won. But three days later, he found out that he was wrong. And when Jesus rose up from the tomb, it told the devil that his days were numbered. And then he was doomed. Can we look at Matthew, chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 to 6? Matthew 2, 1 to 6. This is the wise men coming to find the king of the Jews. Matthew 2, verses 1 to
1: in Bethlehem of Judea, where this is written in the pro, by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel.
0: And and this should have been this should have been an exciting time for the people of Israel, because they they were told from all the time they can remember all the way back from the, the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because Abraham was, said, told, I will bless, said, was told by God I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and out of your seed every nation of the world will be blessed. So from the time of their forefathers they're told the Savior's coming I'll send him to you And yet, what does it say later in that passage? Just a few short verses after that. It says, all that Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. The angel said to the shepherds on that hillside that night, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then they showed him where to find him so they could go worship him. And not only that, but he, he, he reached out to Gentile kings from across the world and said, Come worship the King." And of course, Herod wants to get rid of the baby, so he tells the wise men, go and bring me word so I can worship him again. But then the wise men were sensitive to God in their dream, and they went another way, and Herod was mad, and we know that he killed all the baby boys, two and under, and that Jesus escaped to Egypt because... His time had not yet come. How many times do we read in the New Testament that Jesus was, they attempted to kill Jesus or arrest him, and yet they couldn't do anything? Even the time when these soldiers were sent to arrest Jesus, they came back empty-handed, and their leader said, why? And they said, because no one spoke like this man. And the people of Israel said that he spoke as one having authority and not as the scribes. It's because he didn't speak empty words. He spoke words of life. He was the life. He is the life. And so, he wasn't going to allow anyone to take him apart from the timetable and the providence of Almighty God. He said in John chapter 10, No one takes my life, but I lay it down. I have both power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This this commandment have I been given by my Father. And of course we know that He would lay it down. That's the last point that I have to make today. Jesus was sent to save us. He didn't just come, as some would say, to do good deeds and spread good cheer. He came to save us. It says in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 to 6, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity. the God of the universe, the perfect son of God, the only one about whom it could be said, he did no evil, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. He was nailed to a cross for you and for me. Not just as some might say as a as a dramatic picture of love but because the Bible says without a shedding of blood there is no remission of sins." when he shed his blood on that cross he did so even though he was sorrowing no doubt he did so because there was joy in his heart for what that death would accomplish and he did so because there was no other way matter of fact in in the hours before he died he said father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done And after he passed away, after he was crucified and rose again the third day, many of his disciples followed his example and laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Jesus even prophesied this for Peter. He says, there's a time coming when Right now, you can go where you want to go. And you can say what you want to say. But there's a time coming when you won't be able to go where you want to go, and men will lead you where you don't want to go, and they will stretch out your arms. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified, much like his Savior, but he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same manner, so he was crucified upside down. It tells us that before that, he watched his own wife die for the sake of the gospel. No, my friends, this was not a fairy tale. It was not just a feel-good story about a baby in a manger. Because the manger led... The cross. The manger was the vehicle to begin that journey toward the cross. And when his disciples tried to get him not to go to Jerusalem, because they, they knew what would happen. The Bible says he set his face as a flint. He didn't give up. He didn't back down. There's an old song, and it's based on scripture because he says this, but the song says he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. in Isaiah chapter 9 it says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and Charles Spurgeon once asked a crowd has that child been given for you and there's a sense in which he said he went on to say That if you have not trusted Him as your personal Savior, He has not yet been given for you. But this can be the best Christmas ever if you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you bow your knees to Him. because there's coming a day when whether we want to or not, we will bow our knees to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Every person who has ever lived on this earth will do so. And even the most staunch atheist that you can think of is going to to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But for some, it will be too late. Because if you wait until after you die to confess the Lord as your as the Lord, it's too late. So I encourage you, implore you, beg you even, to confess Him as Lord now. So that when you get to heaven, and, and God says, why should I let you in? He doesn't, you don't look and say, well, because of all the good I've done. Because if we're honest with ourselves, even the good that we do can be tainted with our own self-interest and our own more, more, motives. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So if you really want to go to God with your own credibility, on your own merit, that's up to you. But I don't have a merit to go before God under. So I stand upon the only merit which will allow me To enter into the presence of God. And that is the merit of my perfect, righteous Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody thinks about all the problems in this world and they think that the government or somebody else can solve them or if they just have enough ingenuity that they can figure it out. We've been trying to figure it out for 6,000 years since the beginning of the world. And we're no closer than Adam and Eve were after they got kicked out of the garden. But Jesus is the answer. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. as we close, if we can look at one more cross-reference, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 19 to 21. This just gives us Jesus' answer to the world's problems in a little bit more detail. Jesus doesn't look at any problems and scratch his head. Wonder how he's going to solve it, because he knows. The end from the beginning before the beginning if you really think about it second corinthians 5 19 to 21 if someone could read that please now
1: then we are ambassadors for christ as though god did beseech you by us we pray you in christ did be ye reconciled
0: Is that 19
1: through 21? For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God
0: in him. So that's the answer. We cannot do anything of ourselves. The Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I don't know about you, but I know a good deal when I see one. And I encourage you to take that deal because another thing about God is he's not an Indian giver. He's not going to tell you a week later, oh, I made a mistake. I'll take back my gift. No, because as we've seen in this whole discussion, this whole time we've been together this morning, that Christmas is about the power of promises kept. The angel told Mary that she would have a baby and he would be the son of God. And he was. God told Isaiah that Jesus would be born of a virgin. And indeed, he was. The prophet told the people of Israel that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And indeed, he was. The prophet said Jesus would come to save our sins and to set us free from their power. And indeed, he has. John the Revelator says that Jesus is coming again to bring his church home and to exercise vengeance on those who don't know God. And indeed, he will. The question is, will you be ready? I'm ready. You know, over the last year and a half now, I've had two friends of mine pass away at quite young ages. One was 28, the other 32. And what that tells me is none of us knows when it will be too late to accept God's free gift of salvation. But I do know that if we have, whether we're 28 or 88, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if you've trusted Him. So please do that. I just want to close very quickly with a quote. This is by John R. He says, you can never truly enjoy Christmas until you can look into the Father's face and tell him you have received his Christmas gift. So, let today be the day that you look into the Father's face and tell him you received his Christmas gift. And if you have already, let today be the day that you thank him once again. That the God of the universe came into the world and became a vulnerable human baby. And grew up submitting himself to earthly parents. Dealing with brothers who didn't believe in him. Because he loved us. May the Lord bless you this Christmas. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the power of promises kept. We thank you that we can trust you because you've kept your promises in the past, that you will continue to keep your promises, that you will be with us to the end of the age. And praise be to God, you'll be with us for all eternity. We pray this with thankfulness in our hearts because of our risen Savior, the Christ of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.